0: Good morning. Good morning. Happy Easter to you. Happy Easter. It's always a Sunday filled with excitement and I expect it to be um, right in that vein again this year. I want to mention to you that we have an annual Easter egg hunt uh, here at Tri-County. We've been doing this for years and years and uh, we will uh, do it again today after worship. Uh, the weather may have put us off a little bit. Do we have a plan, Chris? Okay. Uh, Chris says we're not going to be soppy outside. So uh, it's always better if, uh, if we can hide eggs a little bit outside. I remember—I don't know if you remember, but those of you that have been with Tri-County for a while now, uh, we used to worship on the corner of Cherry and Steel downtown. And there were no hiding places for eggs, and so our, our, our kids would walk out uh, after worship on uh, Easter morning, and there'd just be eggs all over the grass, so I'm just yeah, about knee deep. Uh, so we'll get some eggs hidden, and, and uh, Larry, I'm sure, is his in his uh, before he closes us out with a song this morning, will tell uh, which age group to go where. Isn't that what we normally do, Larry? Yes, that's what I thought. So be planning on that anyway. Um, I want to be honest with you. I I really don't have a very good track record lately with special Sunday sermons. Um, (laughs) Thanks. Um, Friend Day last fall, I, I didn't feel like I preached the sermon that I wanted to preach. Even Easter last spring, I, I didn't feel like went as well as I had hoped it had gone. Uh, in fact, my brother, who's also a preacher, called me uh, that afternoon last, after last uh, Easter, and he said, I'm at Dad's house, and he wants to know how your, your sermon went. And I said, well, tell him I laid an Easter egg, because that's the way I felt last year. I really did. I, and I don't know what it is. I, it's not that I'm nervous. I haven't had butterflies in a long time as far as public speaking is concerned. Um, I think maybe I just get too excited and, and maybe overthink things a little bit. And anyway, I told myself weeks ago now that, that I was just going to be real simple this morning. Just going to tell the Easter story, um, and wrap it up and go look for eggs. Um, and, and then I <clears throat> then I had an idea, uh, an idea for a sermon that was uh, maybe a little more complicated, maybe a little more intricate than I wanted it to be. And, and anyway, I tried to time myself out of preaching the sermon I'm going to preach to you this morning, and I just couldn't do it. So I'm going to throw caution to the wind and uh, trust the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm going to ask you uh, make a special request here. I'm going to need you to stay locked in with me this morning, and I'm going to need to know that you're locked in. Can you do that? Yeah. Thank you. I <laughs> thanks JT. I, I I tend to feed off of um, your comments and your acknowledgments of of what the Word of God says, and so um, don't don't be shy this morning. Okay. Um, I, let me say this too. I, I know you came to hear the Easter story this morning, and, and we're going to get there, I promise. But before we do, I, I want to just say a quick word about the Tri-County Church, okay? Um, how many of us here are sinners? All right. How many of us here uh, believe that Jesus Christ is a better Savior than we are sinners? That's uh, That's important to who we are. That's central to who we are. We are a church that believes that we don't have anything figured out, right? I make just as many mistakes today as I've made for the majority of my life. But I believe that Jesus Christ is bigger than the mistakes that I make. And so we come together not in any way insinuating that we've got Christianity figured out, that we are, have attained any level of perfection. We come together trusting that Jesus is so good, That when God looks at us, He sees the righteousness of His Son. And and I tell you that because, I I make that comment just because, I I hope that by being here this Easter Sunday morning, that you get not only a a reminder of the powerful story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but also that you get a sense of who the Tri-County Church family is. Because I know not all of us have a church family. And, and I just want you to know this morning um, that I couldn't make it without my brothers and sisters in Christ here. And if life is hard for you, then this is a solution I can offer you. The love and the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. All right? Okay, so let's get on to the Easter story now. Um, in order to to fully and truly appreciate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I believe we first have to feel the hopelessness of His crucifixion. In order to do that, though, I I think it's important that we first feel the hopelessness that the nation of Israel was feeling as it waited for a king. If If you remember, Israel hasn't heard from God in at least 400 years. They are living under Rome's thumb. They were living in Roman subjugation at the time. They are waiting for the coming Christ, the coming Messiah, the coming King, who would once again restore the nation of Israel to its former glory. They were waiting for a king to come and assume the throne by which he would throw the Romans out of Palestine and return Israel. To its rightful state of prominence worldwide. But which throne would that king assume? Was it David's throne? The throne of violence and victory? Or was it Solomon's throne? The throne of peace and prosperity? Now, this was a different throne entirely. This was the throne of God Himself. Let me ask you a question. Where did God's throne reside in the Old Testament under the Mosaic Covenant? You recognize this? A lot of us recognize this as the Ark of the Covenant. Some may be thinking, I saw something like that in an Indiana Jones movie years and years ago. This is the Ark of the Covenant or a representation thereof. I want to read to you uh, it's it's a rather an obscure verse um from first Samuel, and I'll I'll put it on the screen here behind me in just a second, but uh just to give you a little setting, the Philistines have stolen the Ark of the Covenant, and God is wreaking havoc among them. It's a it's a really interesting story in first in Samuel chapter four, verse four. But look at what it says So the people sent men to Shiloh and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord almighty, who is enthroned where? between the cherubim. Now, what is a cherubim? It's an angel, uh, something with wings, enthroned between the cherubim. Now, look again at the picture. Do you see where God's throne was under the rule of Moses? You see the cherubim's wings connecting. It's what was known as the mercy seat. Where the cherubim's wings met, God Himself sat and ruled over all of Israel. Here's what I want us to understand this morning. The most accurate depiction the nation of Israel had of Almighty God was an empty throne. Let me say that again because I don't want you to miss it. The most accurate depiction Israel had of Almighty God was an empty throne. Here's why this is significant. What exactly does that idea of an empty throne communicate? It communicates the truth that God is not bound by human imagination. God is not bound by human imagination. We as human beings don't have the capacity to fathom the glory of God, much less describe it or depict it in some kind of art. We've tried, haven't we? Moses has been on the mountain too long. And so all of Israel says, we're ready to have a God we can see. So Aaron, Moses' brother, gathers up all the gold jewelry that Israel has, according to him, throws it in the fire and out jumped this golden calf. We've tried to describe or to depict what God might look like. Even lately, we've tried to. You recognize this? Michelangelo's masterpiece in Sistine Chapel, The Creation of Adam. Through the years, mankind has attempted to to draw, to sculpt, to, to describe, to articulate what the glory of God is. But the reality is, it's an impossibility for us. Because our minds cannot imagine just how glorious our God truly is. Now, a byproduct of, of the fact that humanity can't describe or depict God, couldn't, couldn't quantify God, is that we humanized Him instead. And in so doing, we limited Him. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I think because our minds are incapable of grasping the glory of God, we try to describe God in terms that we can understand. We think God is strong, Right? But when we think God is strong, we think, well, God is stronger than the strongest man. Because that's how we can quantify that. We believe God to be wise, don't we? Yes? yes. I hope so. But in so doing, even as we say that, we say, well, I, we've known some wise men. You know, Solomon is the wisest man that ever walked the face of the earth. And God was wiser than him. But we're still cheating him, limiting him even as we struggle to understand just how glorious, just how powerful, just how strong, just how wise God is. That's why when Jesus was crucified, all hope was lost. Because humanity sees death not as the beginning, but as the end. And I know we talk a good game. I know we say, uh, yeah, there's, there's more to this life than living and dying. But I also know when that moment hits, we tend to send, see death as the end. If the most accurate depiction the Israelites had then of Almighty God was an empty throne, what is the most accurate depiction Christians have now of Almighty God? An empty tomb. Tony prayed this morning, and I appreciate the prayer. Uh, I think every time we get together, we ought to be thinking about the cross. Uh, we ought to... That, that The cross stands alone as a divine intersection of God's mercy and God's justice. And, and we are called to the cross as Christians. But folks, the tomb is where it's at. The empty tomb is where it's at. The most accurate depiction Christians have of Almighty God is an empty tomb. But what does that idea communicate? It communicates the truth that God is not bound by human limitation. The empty tomb says everything is possible. I want you to think about this with me. If the tomb is empty, and it is, isn't it? Isn't it? If the tomb is empty, then there is no limitation humanity will ever encounter that cannot be overcome. That's the reality of things. If Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, then there is no obstacle in life, no limitation in life that cannot be overcome. God is not bound by human imagination, and God is not bound by human limitation. I want you to think about all that causes us pause in this life. Anybody in debt? Anybody dealing with um, the ramifications of divorce? Anybody struggling with depression? Anybody know the hopelessness of working with someone with drug addiction? Anybody still struggling to come to grips in the process of grief as we deal with death? Listen, if Jesus is still in that tomb, there is no hope for any of us. But the good news is He's not. The tomb is empty and there is no limitation that we encounter in this life that cannot be overcome by the power of Almighty God. I honestly don't know what brought us here this morning. I I imagine there were several motivations. Um, Maybe you were pressured to be here. Mothers can give some pretty good guilt trips at times. Can they not? Um, Maybe you felt obligated to attend a worship service on what Christianity considers to be the holiest of Sundays. I don't know. Maybe, uh, Maybe... a family member was cooking up a feast for lunch and invited you over, and you felt like, hey, if I want lunch. Or maybe life is hard. Maybe you just needed some good news. I, I'm not old, um, comparatively speaking. Uh, I know, I know I'm 40 years old and I know um, for folks older than me that sounds young and for my kids that sounds ancient I know how it works but the truth is I have at this point lived long enough in this life to know just how difficult life can be at times I know we deal with real world problems. I know we struggle with relationships, with work environments, with raising our kids, with paying our bills. I know these things happen. And I also know that there's no getting through any of those situations unless we can remember that the tomb is empty and that God is bigger than all of it. And so if that's the reason you came this morning. Just to get a glimpse of some good news. I've got some for you. If you've got a bible and want to read along with me, you're more than welcome to. We're going to look at Luke chapter 24. I'm just going to read the first uh, 6 verses to you. And then I'm going to pray a prayer. Mary's going to lead us in a song. We're going to see if we can find an egg, okay? Luke 24 Beginning in verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. I don't know what you need. I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know what it is that's keeping you up at night. But I know with the the certainty of all that I am that it can be solved or it can be managed or it can be overcome with this statement. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Bow your heads and pray with me. I don't know why, God. It takes uh, an Easter sermon sometimes to remind me of a truth um, that's changed my life, changed my eternity, Uh, but it does. I stress out. Uh, I worry about things. I worry about my kids. I worry about um, money. I, I worry about life. I worry about the state of the world my kids are growing up in. And and I'm pretty good, God. I think to to eventually come to you and just say you can do what I can't, and so I I trust you to take control here. But what I'm not always very good at doing, God, is is remembering that when I lay something at your feet, when I bring my anxiety, my fear, my worry to you and, and lay those things before your throne, I ought to be walking away feeling lighter and less burdened. Feeling confident because the victory that you had over sin, death, and hell when Jesus not only was crucified on that cross, but when He rose from the dead on the third day, that victory is mine. It's ours because of your grace and goodness. I'm thankful, God, to to be with brothers and sisters in Christ this morning who who I know will love you. They wouldn't be here otherwise. But I just feel like, um, as as much as we love you, again, there there are times that we forget. We forget the triumph of the cross. We, we forget the victory over death. We forget some days that the tomb is empty. And, and I pray this week as we, as we walk back out into the world, into uh, an unsteady economy, Into uh, workplaces that uh, don't always respect the the decisions that we've made to follow your son Jesus. As we as we go home, God into into houses, into into relationships, into marriages, into families um, where there's conflict, I I just pray that we not forget. that the empty tomb says there's not an obstacle, there's not a limitation in our lives that cannot be overcome. We thank You for Your Son, for the life that He lived, for the death that He died, and for the life that He lives again. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen